The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of facilitation, executive and leadership coaching, and professional speaking. 21st century culture and norms have really changed the prism leadership is viewed in. Long gone are the days of command and control. Long gone is the emphasis on formal authority alone to be an effective leader. Many today are seeing an emphasis being placed on a more participative style of leadership. What we're now seeing is a movement toward where a leader is not only a doer, but a model of what to do and a coach of how to do it. Today, we will discuss leader as coach. We'll explain what this means and what it looks like and how to do it. I have just the expert for this topic. With me today is Dr. Jennifer Hall. Dr. Jennifer Hall is an executive coach, leadership trainer, and assessment author. She's a systems thinker who understands and attends to both the individual and organizational dynamics. She's worked with hundreds of leaders, and I happen to know one of her clients, and I am extremely impressed with who she's coaching and what I have heard about the level of competence and depth that she brings to the leader development space. So I'm excited to have her with me here today. Dr. Hall, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you so much, Eddie. I really appreciate your having me on your uh, fabulous and award-winning podcast, by the way. Congrats on its success. <laughs> well, thank you. You're very kind, Dr. Hall. I appreciate that. Tell me what I missed. That was a lovely and generous introduction, Eddie. I do appreciate it. I, I think of myself as being someone who supports leaders in whatever way they want and need at the particular time, given their context. So in addition to doing individual executive coaching, which I love, I also facilitate leadership and team building workshops. It's one of my favorite things to do. And then the third 
main area of my work has to do with the development of assessments. So I have co-authored two, the Coaching Mindset Index through Air Consulting and also the Entrepreneurial Mindset Profile through Eckerd College. Yes, I read about your work with assessments and I must admit, I'm fascinated by that. I've become certified in several and I know how much work it takes to become certified and master an assessment. I know nothing about what it takes to create one. And the fact that you've created not just one, but two that are widely used uh, by reputable coaches is extremely impressive to me. So congratulations. Thanks very much, Eddie. I really didn't have much of a sense of how much work it was either when I started. I had two great professors who helped me learn about assessment. One is an undergraduate, Dr. Sharon Herzberger, who was a psych professor. And then in graduate school, Dr. Julian Roeder was my assessment professor. And I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Roeder, but he wrote a theory called social learning theory. And one of the terms he coined as part of that is very well known and that's a locus of control. And so he was a very inspirational and influential um, professor of mine. And then I didn't really know I would have any opportunity to help create these assessments uh, once I was out of school and um, fully at work. But uh, it was, it was, they were interesting opportunities and I'm really glad to have participated. And that's an interesting theory. Can you share what the locust of control means for our leaders who may not have exposure to it? Sure, absolutely. So there are two kinds of uh, loci, I guess you would say, of control, internal versus external. And folks with an external locus of control see the things that happen to them as resulting from luck or good or bad fortune or external causes. Uh, So for example, if I fail a test, uh, the professor wasn't fair, or my roommate distracted me from studying, people with an internal locus of control see themselves as the agents of the outcomes in their lives. So uh, it really is helpful um, to, to have an internal locus of control because then you feel powerful and as if you can really make a difference. Yes. And tell us the reason why this matters for leaders as you mentioned, their, their ability to make the difference, mm-hmm. be able to make the difference depending on how they see it. Tell us how the, why this matters as a leader who's going to be a coach. Uh, yeah, that that's a great question. And as I think about making the connection between locus of control and leader as coach, I think the primary influence it would have is that you can see as a leader that the person you're coaching can in fact make changes. I I see that as leaders and frankly, as human beings, it's really easy to pigeonhole people and to declare that they won't get it or that they've always been problematic or they're just not coachable. (laughs) And to adopt an internal locus of control and a coaching mindset for a leader is to say, well, let me see what there is that I can do, how I can intervene, what kind of questions I can ask to better understand this person's motivations, their needs, their challenges, their context, so that together we can unlock a path forward to make a change that is both meaningful and sustainable. So in that way, it's similar, Eddie, I think, to what we do as executive coaches. And although we don't expect leaders to have the same level of of training necessarily as as Mm -hmm. trained executive coaches, 
in both situations, we're trying to unlock somebody's potential. And I think having an internal locus of control and a coaching mindset are really key in doing that. Absolutely. Thank you for explaining that. That is so, so important. And in many organizations, both large and small, people are seeing the need for more executive coaching. And in many areas, pushing it down to lower levels of the organization, not just the senior ranks, uh, where they're bringing in leadership coaching and uh, supporting different layers of their organizations. They're recognizing that it's a key leadership competency. Yes. What do you think is the reason for this? Well, I think it's related to exactly what you said, which is that organizations are increasingly recognizing the need for folks, not at the top levels, to optimize their potential to be the best version of themselves. And executive coaching, as you know, isn't cheap. (laughs) It's obviously there's a great ROI when it's done well, but it's still hard for organizations to justify providing executive coaching at all levels. And therefore, what they're expecting, and I think reasonably so, is that they can bring in executive coaches for the top levels of the organization, but then it's the leaders themselves who are going to have to expand that coaching capacity within the organization by providing not executive coaching, but good, powerful coaching conversations themselves that have the same impact of helping people to the people who report to them to identify and achieve really important goals. And as you mentioned before, the old command and control model simply doesn't really unlock people's potential in the same way that coaching conversations do. Absolutely. The manager, the supervisor, the leader at whatever level they are who understands the power of coaching is able to unlock the potential of an employee in ways that no other leadership style does. And given the dynamics and the demographics that we have in the workforce today, it's more critical than ever before. Exactly. Well said. Now, leaders who recognize this come to another revelation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is that. There's not enough training to develop these types of skills. You know, I happen to be one of the facilitators for ATD, where ATD is addressing this through the coaching certificate program, where we help folks who don't want to become certified coaches. Mm -hmm. They are just managers, supervisors, leaders who say, I want to be a coach first and a manager second. Mm -hmm. So that's one program I know of. Are there other programs that you can recommend to our leaders who are listening where they can develop coaching skills? That's so interesting. And I'd love to hear more about that, the ATD program, Eddie. In my experience, what happens is that organizations will send leaders to coaching programs, coaching trainings, but the training oftentimes isn't sticky. You know what I mean by that? They don't, they don't remember it. And if they don't remember it, they can't put it into use. And, and that's why my colleague um, of many, many years, uh, Dr. Mark Davis and I, a few years ago, decided to create a coaching framework that was also an assessment. So for example, uh, I often talk to groups of leaders. I was talking to a group of leaders just last week and I said, okay, there are 20 people in the room. And I said, how many of you have been to some kind of coaching skills training program? And about half of them raised their hands. I said, okay, how many of you can actually remember the model or the framework or, or, or even the acronym, even if you don't remember what it stands for. And the number of hands went down dramatically to about two. And I said, okay, how many of you, which ones of you can actually explain that model and use it? And both hands went down. 
So the problem. So you went from 50% of the room to only 2% to zero. Yeah, exactly. So what that means is that for whatever reason, these models might be good. The frameworks might be good, but they're not sticky. And so Mark and I created in conjunction with Air Consulting, uh, the Coaching Mindset Index, which presents a framework for what a leader as a coach does, the six overall coaching strategies they have available to them, um, different styles they can use, and it helps give them a current status for where they are right now on those six overall coaching behaviors compared to the norm group. And then they get to decide where do they want to turn that up or turn that down? So, for example, one of the coaching foundations is finding solutions. And the two strategies under finding solutions are advocacy, which is what we call the push strategy, and inquiry, which is what we call the pull strategy. Many leaders find that they're higher on advocacy than on inquiry, which might work fine when they're in that kind of managerial mindset. But in order to have a truly powerful coaching conversation, many of them identify that they want to up the level of inquiry they used. They want to ask more truly open-ended probing questions that come from a place of curiosity and learning. And so taking the assessment, getting the scores, and then setting goals helps them identify very specifically what they're already doing, what they want to do more of or less of. And in that way, we believe the model of the process is a little stickier. And we also, when we administer the coaching mindset index to groups of leaders. We have them do a lot of practice so they get feedback on what they're actually doing according to observers. It may or may not align with how they see themselves coaching, but either way, it helps bring the concepts to life and gives them more clarity and more direction about what they actually want to do when they go back into the workplace and have the coaching conversations. I think that's why those are working. These particular uh, workshops are working so well for us. So the coaching mindset index is what you would recommend to make it sticky. Well, yes, I'm biased, <laughs> but but I am a very passionate advocate for this this process. I've had I've had tremendous success with it. And where can leaders learn more about the coaching mindset index? That is um, the website is coachingmindset.net. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Hall. I'm talking to Dr. Jennifer Hall. She's a psychologist, executive coach, and leadership speaker. And we're talking about leader as coach. We'll have more with Dr. Hall right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the leadership accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is General Tom Colditz, founding executive director for the Door Institute for New Leaders at Rice University, and you're listening to the Keep Leading podcast with Eddie Turner. We're back, everyone. I'm talking to the amazing Dr. Jennifer Hall. She's a psychologist, executive coach, and leadership speaker. And before the break, we were talking about the Coaching Mindset Index and that this is a great tool to use, an assessment that takes any coaching skills that leaders learn and makes it sticky. 
you also have the entrepreneurial mindset profile that you authored. Can you tell us about that assessment and in which scenario one should be used over the other? Sure, of course. The entrepreneurial mindset profile was developed, in fact, not to be used with business owners or budding entrepreneurs, although, in fact, it is used very often with entrepreneurship students in universities. But the idea at first was that not only entrepreneurs or business owners, but also corporate and organizational leaders can benefit from operating with the mindset of an entrepreneur. So we developed it because we wanted to use it in the program that we were running with corporate leaders. And the way it's structured is it's kind of like the coaching mindset index. We're not being prescriptive. We're not saying this is how you should coach and here's how you should score, but rather we're just presenting data to people and letting them decide, do they feel good about where the scores are and the behaviors that underlie those scores or do they want to make some changes? So when a leader takes the entrepreneurial mindset, what they will see is how they score on 14 decisions discrete scales, things like action orientation and persistence and passion, and how those scores compare to those of an entrepreneur norm group and a corporate manager norm group. And in that way, they can see how they're most similar to entrepreneurs, where their strengths are in entrepreneurial thought and action, and where they score lower. The high scores can be thought of as strengths, and the low scores may or may not be problematic. It all depends on the context. So I love giving the EMP to leaders who have recognized that to be successful, it will help them to think in some ways like an entrepreneur. And I love to give the coaching mindset index to leaders for whom coaching and developing their direct reports is a very important mandate of their job. Sometimes it's both. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that because many leaders like assessments and they would like to know how to access these and when they would want to use one over the other. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Now, if coaching skills are so important for leaders, why aren't more better at it? Mm, Yeah, it's a great question. And I thought a lot about this. And I think it's because Leaders are told to coach, they're expected to coach, but they're not given either the right kind of training or enough training. And in the absence of that, what I think most of them do is they sit down and they have a conversation and they bring their own meaning to the term coaching. They define it differently. So for one leader, coaching might mean having a really honest and difficult conversation about poor performance. (laughs) And for another, it might be, hey, share encouragement and celebrate wins. And for a third leader, it might be something else entirely. I was talking to a CEO last week and she was asking me to to come up and help her leaders with coaching because she said, we have the right mindset. We all believe that coaching is important and we're scheduling meetings with our direct report once a week, which is a lot, actually, when it's not just a transactional, what I consider a transactional conversation, what have you done, what needs to get done, et cetera. But when it's more about coaching and development, they have the right mindset. But what are they actually going to sit down and say? What are they going to do? How are they going to conceive of that individual's needs in the moment? And what is what are the implications for then how they need to intervene? So I think that's why we're not that good. The other thing is, and you probably saw this Harvard Business Review article that came out, I think it's a couple of years ago now about leader as coach. 
And the authors, and I'm sorry, I forget the names right now, but the authors interviewed all these leaders and they said, okay, how are you at coaching? And they said, well, we're okay. Okay, well, sit down and coach. And they did that and they had these conversations. <laughs> Do you remember this article? Yes. Yeah. So you remember the leader said, oh yeah, we did pretty well at coaching. And the people they coached, said, yeah, they were pretty good. And all these professional coaches were sitting around the room and they said something like, well, you didn't ask a single question. Or the only <laughs> questions you asked were really yes, no questions, veiled suggestions. So I think that even when leaders believe that they're coaching, they A, have different definitions and B, they're not actually that self-aware of what good coaching looks like or what they're doing. So I think that those are the reasons why it's so important that they get good good training and good support. Wonderful. And I appreciate you sharing that article. It is important. And so many times leaders who call themselves coaches or having a coaching conversation, they are doing that to your point that you uh, explained so beautifully uh, and through their prism, through, through what they see it as yes. because they haven't been trained. They don't know. And if, as the article said, uh, your professional coaches sitting there watching, they're watching in horror. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And we've all seen that, right? I'm sure that you've observed some of your clients as they're coaching someone else. And you can see that their intent is great. They want to make a positive difference, but they don't always have the skills to do it. Indeed. And I see this as a part of my work, not only with ATD and the coaching certificate program, mm -hmm. uh, but also through my work at Rice University, the Door Institute for New Leaders, they have a, a program called Coach Rice and they certify, it's an ICF approved program where they certify people as coaches. And so we get lawyers and high ranking officials in government and medical field and other areas coming into the program, very senior, very experienced people. <laughs> and they come in and they take the training and you see them in those first sessions and they're like, I thought I was doing this right. I've been doing this for years. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I bet the attorneys use a lot of uh, inquiry, but my guess is that they are more leading questions than anything else. It would be fascinating to look at the differences among professions in terms of how they coached. Oh, absolutely. Because of course, as an attorney, you're taught that you never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Right. Whereas in professional coaching, that's the number one no-no, because when you know the answer, that's a leading question. Exactly. <laughs> Coming from a place of true curiosity is so different, and it really involves a mindset shift. So it must be neat to see the light bulb go off for those, those kind of folks who are in Coach Rice. It really is. And then to see the transformation that they make by the time they finish the program four months later, it really is something. And everyone goes through, uh, as you know, having gone through training, that it's it's one of the most transformational events in a person's life. You change as a result of being trained how to coach properly. Yes. And you bring it to all, you can bring it potentially to all other areas of your life as well. One thing I noticed as a Absolutely. parent is that as, as an executive coach, I ask a lot of open-ended questions. I have what, according to CMI parlance, is an engaged style. And when I'm with my children, I find myself being so directive. <laughs> like, okay, slow down. Maybe coach goes out the door, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it can, yeah. self-awareness is the first step. Let's put it, let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm not completely transformed as a parent, but I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, that's priceless. Absolutely. So, well, if a leader is going to be a coach first, what types of goals should they focus on for their development and or their development of employees? Ah, okay. So good questions and two different questions. Let me take them one at a time if I might. That is, that's a bad question. What kind of coach am I? I'm no, only I supposed to ask it. one I... question at a time. 
<laughs> That's always a hard one too. But but to your to your credit, Eddie, they were two open-ended questions. So as long as I can remember both, we're, we're in good shape. There are no leading questions there at all. <laughs> yes, I would mark off anyone else who did that. So I have to give myself two demerits for that. But we're not in an evaluative mode here. We're in a learning mode. So no, no need for demerits of any kind. So so the question about what kind of goal a leader should set for him or herself as a coach, in my mind, there's one word to that, and it's versatility. Okay? Because as a coach, well, you, you know, when you're ICF trained, you're really encouraged, or maybe I should say forbidden, you're forbidden from making any statements, giving any advice, sharing any perspective. It's all inquiry, all curiosity, right? That's what in the CMI framework, we will call pull strategies. You show compassion, you focus on development, and you ask questions. I believe that executive coaches like leader coaches are best served by being versatile, by having available to them a wide range of potential interventions, if you will, that's kind of clinical, but a wide range of potential strategies that they can use. And when they are versatile, then they can intentionally choose among the different strategies they have at their disposal in order to best meet the needs of that particular client at that particular point of in time within their particular context. So maybe, you know, 50% of the time they'll be asking open-ended questions. Maybe the other 50% of the time they'll be sharing feedback or sharing their perspectives. And sometimes they'll just have to tell someone how to do something. But the more versatile a coach is, the more mindful they can be about selecting the best strategy to meet the needs of the situation. So that's what I think a good goal for a leader coach is. Thank you. And then we're working with their employees. Should they be focused more on performance or development? Uh, it's so funny that you asked that because in, in one of the coaching mindset index coaching foundations called setting goals, those are the two terms for the strategies. The push strategy ah. is performance and the pull okay. strategy is development. So simply by virtue of the fact that you use those words, I think you can see that this framework is a very intuitive one. We all mm -hmm. get that some goals are related to the employee's performance at their job, their responsibilities, and some goals are related to their development. So again, I think that the leader together with their direct report needs to decide which goals are most relevant within a particular conversation. But at the broadest level, I think it's very neat to say it's it's there's a there's a neatness and a simplicity to say okay instead of having an annual performance review where we don't talk about it all year and then at the end of the year we tick off these boxes and hr is now you know happy uh why not say okay we're i'm going to coach you all year if you're my employee and let's set one really big performance goal and i get to be the one who mostly decides what that's going to be i want you to be able to embrace it right but but that can come from me as a representative representative of the organization. And let's set one development goal. And that can primarily come from you, the employee. And again, it has to be something that's not inconsistent with organizational goals or ethos or vision. But as long as it doesn't interfere with your performance, it's consistent with your performance, why not let you choose it? Maybe it's, I want to develop better presentation skills, or I want to um, get involved in social media, wh whatever it is. So, so I think there's a simplicity and a neatness to having one big performance and one big development goal all year.
or for, for a given year, for a given period of time. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you, Dr. Hall. How would you summarize our conversation today? Well, if I were wearing my coaching hat, I would turn that question back on you. Like I noticed Marshall Goldsmith did, by the way, and you didn't even invite <laughs> it. You just answered it. I loved it, <laughs> but I won't do that. Um, I guess I would say that for me, good coaching is all about intentionality. It's about being versatile and being able to choose with confidence from among a number of strategies based not on what's natural or comfortable for you, which frankly, I think most of us do, but choosing what is needed to help make progress on the goals of the person you're coaching. Thank you. And you're right. Yes, Marshall did throw that curveball at me. I typically <laughs> like to hear how my guest thinks about the, the content and what is the most important message they want to leave. And uh, Marshall, yeah, he did. He he did put it back on me. And uh, I answered it. That was Marshall being Marshall. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, it was very fun to watch. <laughs> yes. and, and I was tempted to do the same thing, Eddie, but I, I, I only Marshall can get away with that. I can't get away with that. <laughs> hey, when the number one leadership guru and number one executive coach in the world uh, throws it back at you, you have no choice. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. It's a good call. So, the other thing I always wonder, I love to get from people is the best piece of advice that you've ever heard or a quote that you use that you can share with our leaders in addition to the great content you provided during this discussion uh, that can help us to keep leading. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll share too, if it's okay. You brought to mind something different when you said advice, but my favorite, my one of my favorite quotes, I have a million, but one I like from um, a, a remarkable leader, a very human, very fallible leader, but who, who passed away recently, Jack Welch. And that is before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. And when you become a leader, success is all about growing others. So that really yes. captures for me the importance of coaching skills for leaders. Leaders. Uh, when you talk about advice, it, <laughs> my mother would be very surprised to hear that, that she had some advice for me that really made an impact on my career. But when I was young, she said, hey, when you're having a conversation with someone, if you ask them a lot of questions about themselves, the conversation tends to go really smoothly. And, and in some ways, I think I translated that into a career. So thanks, mom. I love it. Well, thank you. Those are two great pieces of advice for us from Jack Welch and from mom. We can never go wrong from listening to mom. What a spectrum. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with our leaders. Where can my listeners learn more about you, Dr. Hall? My website is just www.drjenhall.com. And even though I like people to call me Jen, Eddie, although you've been calling me Dr. Hall, I had to put that doctor there because there are a million Jennifer Halls in the world. (laughs) And so I had to find a way to distinguish myself so people could find me. So that's my website. I, um, my website company is fabulous, but I have not given them content for years, so there's only so much they can do, um, but but that's my website, and, and I'll update it soon. Your, your friend and and my former fabulous client, uh, General Kolditz, it is on the website, and so for that reason, I'm proud, proud of it. Well, he is a phenomenal man and a great resource to have and a great client and testimonial, so I don't blame you for having that out there. <laughs> so lucky to know him. 
Well, we're going to put that in the show notes so folks know how to find you, how to connect with you and get a chance to uh, work with you as their executive coach. If they're looking for one of the best executive coaches around, uh, your work speaks for itself and so does your client roster. So thank thank you. you for being a guest on the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's been a genuine pleasure. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.